telling them before the service, it's just amazing um, to have our missionaries here with us so that we can see them, meet them, talk to them, and they're not just a face on a screen or on a website, and so it's so, so awesome to have you guys with us, and uh, it's so great to, to be able to put flesh to people's names that we're supporting and say, oh, those are those folks who came and they're doing that great ministry, yes, so, so cool and so amazing to hear the stories. I love hearing stories of what God is doing around the world. Uh, and so it's, it's just great to, to have them with us and hear from them. Uh, what Matt was referring to earlier is kind of funny. Now, now the distraction is gone, but there was like a vomit of Pokemon cards up here that most of you could not see. Um, now it's gone. So that won't be looking at Pokemon cards while I'm preaching to you. As I said earlier on in the service, uh, the, the kind of guiding text this morning and all we're talking about is the Great Commission. The Great Commission where Jesus' last words as reported by Matthew in Matthew's Gospel are, Go, I'm sending you. I'm sending you to go and make disciples and teach them and and baptize. Go, go. It's, It's the mission of the church. It's the mission of God to go and reach all people. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus does something similar. Luke reports that as Jesus is leaving, he, you know, the disciples are caught up in this conversation of, well, when are you going to come back? When are you going to come back? So you're leaving, but when are you going to come back? And Jesus is like, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that in all the end times conversations, because we get so caught up in end times, and in all of those, Jesus is like, ah, stop it. The end times are going to happen when they're going to happen. And, and he says, like, it's not... It's, it's not for you to know. It's not, don't worry about all that. You are going to be my witnesses. And you're going to start in Jerusalem, your city. And you're going to go to the surrounding regions and then eventually to the ends of the earth, to faraway places like Cameroon. And this is what Jesus consistently says to them in these last days. He consistently gives them a message of, what are we supposed to do now? You're supposed to go. Go be my witnesses, go make disciples. And so this morning we're talking about a word that's not really a word, but that has become a word in church world over the last 10 to 15 years. And that word is missional. Missional. It's not really a word. You type it into a Google Word, or Google Word, Microsoft Word document, and there's the squiggly red underline because it's not really a word. But it's become a buzzword the last 10 to 15 years. And looking for an understanding of what this word is, why is it important, why has it come about, I came across some amazing websites. The first website I came across was called the Dictionary of Christianese. You know what Christianese is? Have you ever heard of Christianese? So this is like the language of Christians. It's like our secret language. Come on, you know about Christianese, right? You know about praying hedges of protection around people. Where else but in the church do you hear people say like, got to pray a hedge of protection around those people? Where else but in the church do you hear people saying that you're going to love on people? Let's just be honest, y'all. Some of you guys use this word, this phrase. It sounds kind of creepy when you really get down to it. Loving on people. Let's just love them. Let's not love on them. Okay, sorry. I always thought when like, I heard youth pastors saying that, I was like, you got to be careful. That's going to get you fired. Okay? <laughs> Just love the kids. You don't need to love on the kids. But why do we say, we say these things? We talk about baby Christians. Oh, she's a baby Christian. What does that mean outside of the church walls? We talk about missionary dating. Hopefully you're not talking about missionary dating. But I know some people who talk about, oh, I'm missionary dating. You're trying to convert that poor sucker and they don't even know it. Anyway, talk about backsliding. We talk about clobber text, Christian ease. Have you ever used clobber text? That's a clobber text. 
that's one that'll just hit them over the head with Jesus and they can't get away. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Good for you. Good. Good. But there's all these things if you've been around the church long enough. And today, we came to this one, missional. Missional. And it's become this word, this phrase, this buzzword that's been really around, like I've said, about 10 to 15 years. But the question is, what does it mean? Because you look it up and it's like, there's missional theology, there's the missional movement, we want to be a missional church, we want to be missional people, we want to do missional living. But what does that word missional even mean? I love this because I looked on the Dictionary of Christianese and it had all of these things where it was used and all of these quotes and, and, a, and I was actually impressed for a website that did not look legitimate, that it had all kinds of sources and, and data. Is like somebody actually went through the work of digging through the history of these crazy phrases we use within Christianity. And one of my favorite definitions, it said this, recently a Christian leader said to me rather dismissively, missional. It's the latest jargon everybody's using, but nobody understands. And then he added, it sounds good, though. I was like, yeah, nobody really knows what it means, but it sounds good. Let's be missional. Let's be missional. Another post read this, I should add that I don't think I can define the word. Simply put, it means what people intend it to mean when they use it. (laughs) I like that. What does it mean? It means whatever I want it to mean right now. So that's what you're all are in for this morning. I'm going to define it the way I want to define it for you all right now, the way I want to use it. Anyway, it's just very interesting reading through all of these. I reached out to Facebook land to help me. Some of you all took the bait, maybe didn't know that I was going to share these this morning. Uh, but we had a little interaction on Facebook. It was very fascinating. Somebody said, uh, I like to define missional as being the church as opposed to going to church. I like that. Being the church, embodying the mission of God. Uh, Somebody said, to a churched person, missional is doing churchy things outside of church. But to the unchurched, it just sounds like a weird word made up. Aren't those guys missional? What does that mean? So I love that. Uh, Somebody said, mission is a noun. This was actually a, uh, a history professor from North Park University who really doesn't like it that it's not a word, but that we're using it. <laughs> so he says, uh, mission is a noun. I'm just imagining him getting angry knowing this guy. Mission is a noun. Missional is not a word. It's not a word that has taken hold in non-ecclesial discussions. I think it's a buzzword more than a substantive term. Okay, congratulations. You don't like it. <laughs> Somebody said, it means feeling guilty for not doing enough. Oh, wah, wah. There you go. Uh, Others said outward, not inward focus, to put feet to our faith. Uh, I like this one. uh, One pastor that I know up in Santa Cruz said, it's a new word for what we've been doing for 2,000 years. And I think that's nice. It's It's a, you know, we, every now and then you need these kind of fresh, what are we doing? Let's get back to what we're supposed to be doing. Let's get back to it. And so it's a new word to say, hey, this is what we've been doing, but let's get back to the heart of the gospel Back to the heart of the Great Commission. And last, somebody said, it's the Great Commission. It refers to the Great Commission. So I want to uh, just unpack a little bit. I think it's uh, very interesting. One last kind of definition, defining thing that I did find um, on the Dictionary of Christianese that seemed uh, to be the most legitimate citing that they had on there. And what they said is that there was a book in 1998 called Missional Church, a vision for the sending church, uh, sending of the church in North America. And it was edited by a, a large team, so it seemed legitimate and safe to quote. And so they said uh, in that book, the, uh, the editor made these comments that they needed to find a way 
to talk about the fundamentally missional nature of the church without using terms freighted with baggage. I like that because, it's, again, some, from time to time, we just start using words that we don't really know what they mean, and they've lost some of their oomph. And so saying, you know, we've come to a place where, uh, like the other person said on Facebook, that maybe for 2,000 years we were using phrases, but those phrases, we don't really know what they mean anymore, and we don't really know what we're doing. We're kind of reeling in terms of the mission of the church. And so they came up with this word missional to describe what the church is doing in the world, what the church is doing outside of what we do sitting right here. And one of the things they said is that they wanted to figure out the implications of a statement uh, that Vatican II on the Catholic side came out with that says, the church on earth is by its very nature, nature missionary, since according to the plan of the Father, it has origin in the mission of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to get to, uh, there's a text where in John 20, Jesus is meeting with his disciples, and he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Again, one of the last words he's saying to his disciples, hey, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, go. And so these people were trying to understand, what do you do, what language do you use for this sending, this sending nature of the church? And so they finally said this, by adding the suffix al to the word mission, we hope to foster an understanding of the church as fundamentally and comprehensively defined the church defined by its calling and sending, its purpose to serve God's healing purposes for all the world as God's witnessing people to all the world. And this is where I started to go, this word missional matters. If this is how we're understanding it, this word, it matters. Maybe it's made up, maybe it's become a buzzword, but to, to wrap our minds around the idea that as a church, the people of God, our fundamental task, our fundamental calling is to be sent. That's important. That's important for us to be reminded of that fundamentally we are a called people to be sent, as Jesus says in Acts 1, to Jerusalem, to our city, Simi Valley, to our region, Judea and Samaria, for us maybe our county, our state, and to the ends of the earth where the missionary endeavors went out in the early church, and today we have connections all over the globe where we're going to the ends of the earth, again, to places like Cameroon. We are a sent people, and it's important for us to be reminded of that. This whole series that we're doing is about flourishing as a church and as a, as a person. How do we flourish? How do we uh, live that abundant life that Jesus talks about? And so if we want to do that, I want to say today as we start with this idea missional, missional, that it's for us to be a people who understand that we are called and sent, called and sent. So this is the task of the church. We are commissioned to the mission. I love uh, what some people said um, not too long ago, that is that the church doesn't have a mission, there is a mission, and it has a church. See, with the Great Commission and with God's, uh, with Jesus' words of, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, you will be my witnesses, go and make disciples, there is a mission. Jesus has put the mission out there, go, be sent, go. And, and, and sometimes we get caught up in, in churches, and it's okay for a local church to have its own kind of sense of calling and purpose. 
its own sense of mission, but that has to be tied and connected to the larger mission of God, right? The larger mission of God that we all share as believers, that we all share as Christians, that is to be called and sent. Go to Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so I love this little phrase that the church doesn't have a mission. There's already a mission. There's already an assignment. There's already a task. And thankfully, God has a church. He has us. He has us. Similar to last week, I want to look then at what it means to be a missional church and what I think it means to be a missional person. I want to put some flesh to this. Some flesh to what I think it looks like, what I think it might look like for you, for me, for us as a body to embody or make incarnate the mission of God in our community. I want to use again uh, this program that our denomination has called Congregational Vitality. We talked about that a little bit last week. The first part we said was that churches get a chance to kind of make an assessment and you can put yourself uh, in, these, in these boxes. Sorry, i got to click through some slides here. You can put yourself in these, uh, I don't want to say boxes because sometimes you're like, don't put me in a box. No, you put yourself in these like, this is where I think we're at as a church. This is where I think we're at, I'm at as an individual in terms of my walk or in terms of how we're doing as a, as a viable, vibrant, flourishing, alive body. Are we healthy, missional, stable, at a critical moment, or are we at risk? And along with this, along with this, they have what they call the 10 healthy missional markers. See, I saved that for this week because I knew I was going to talk about it this week. So if you're like, how do you even decide where you're at? That was this week's sermon. See, I knew what I was doing. So, 10 healthy missional markers. So if you're asking, because I had some conversations that were like, you, you were kind of saying we're moving towards stability, but man, I think we're like really good. We're good. And others of you were probably like, I don't know. I feel like maybe we're still at that like weird critical moment place, but how do you know? How can you judge? And so what they've come up with, and I'm sorry that this is so small on the screen, but it's a struggle to get all 10 of these on one thing, is the 10 missional markers. So these 10 things, or a majority of these things, would be going on in the life of the church or in the life of an individual to say that, to say that we are healthy missional. These things should be there. The top, uh, let's start with the, the very top, centrality of the Word of God. Fruitful organizational structures, a culture of godly leadership, sacrificial and generous living and giving, heartfelt worship, compelling Christian community, global perspective and engagement, active compassion, mercy, and justice ministries, intentional evangelism, and life-transforming walk with Jesus. So, so you would look at these things, you would say, we want to be missional, we want to be sent, we want to embody the mission of God to go and make disciples, be the witnesses. Are these things present for us to be able to do that? You'll see that some of these are very internal things. They're things that we have to be healthy here before we can go out. So heartfelt worship. You'll also notice as you look at these things, the, the, pay attention to the adjectives that they use, to the adjectives. It's very important when you're thinking about, how, are, are we healthy as a church? Are we healthy and missional? Am I, as a believer, healthy and missional? Pay attention to the adjectives. See, because every church has Christian community. If Christians are gathered, 
there is a Christian community. But that adjective says, is it compelling? It's important. Is it compelling? Is the community that's there making people want to be a part of it and say like, I want what you all have. I need that in my life. It's compelling. Walk with Jesus. Now, I've, uh, we can all say like, yeah, well, I have a walk with Jesus. Is it life transforming? Is your walk with Jesus so vibrant, so alive that it's transforming the way you see the world, the way you talk to other people? Centrality of the Word of God. You could be in a church that says, this was an interesting finding in a lot of churches as they rolled this program out. When they assessed the church, a lot of people in the church said, this is a Bible-believing church. This is a church centered on the Word of God. And then when they did the statistics and asked how many people are involved in a Bible study or a regular study of the Word of God, it would be like 15%. They go, but we're a Bible-believing church. But is it central? Is God's Word central to the life of the community, to the life of the believers in that place? And you could go on and on. I like the one worship. I mean, churches have worship, but is it heartfelt? When you come and worship, are you giving your best to God? Are you in a place where you're like, I am open to what you want to do this morning, God? Or, or is part of worship like, I want to see if I like it or not. I'll see if I liked it, and then I'll decide how much my heart was moved. Or are we coming into a place, I remember reading somebody who said like, we should go into worship wearing hard hats. Because you don't know what God's going to do. If you're really there and it's really heartfelt and you're open, like you don't know what God's going to do that morning. It could get out of control if you're really there worshiping. Now, it's hard for us Protestants who really like order and decency. And we're not even Presbyterians who are on a whole nother level with order and decency. We really like it. You know, we like to know like, hey, there's going to be about five minutes on this song and three minutes. We like to know that. We're going to get out of here about 1045, right? We're good? Heartfelt worship, where it's just, I'll lay it all down. The adjectives, the adjectives are important. They're important. I want to, uh, so you can look at those as one step, and then I want to kind of conclude in the last five minutes here with, with another thing to think about as you think about being missional in our community, missional with your own life, and as we as a church think about what it means to be missional, to be sent. And I'm going to give you just three things I think could be really helpful for you to start kind of making your own framework for what this looks like for you. And I, and I want to admit that this is really just kind of like dialing it down to some basics about how, how is my life, my relationship with the Lord making an impact on the rest of my life, the rest of my community. That's really what it means to be missional. Am I sent, am I making an impact in my community with what God has given me and where God has called me. So it's three P words. I want to use three P words to conclude. The first is proximity. So to be missional, I think the first thing you really need to think about is who is around you. What is around, excuse me, around you? I think sometimes when we think about being sent or called or doing evangelism or, or ministry to the ends of the earth, we, we immediately jump to like the most heathenist, godless sinner I know, and I have to go try to convert that person. It's like, no, let's start with just who is around you already. Who are some people who you've already been involved, invested, influencing their lives? Maybe they've also had some influence on you. Where you've built up, you've put coins in that relational credit bank, and you've earned that right to talk to them about almost anything. 
I mean, I think about the people I grew up with and I played baseball with and I've coached alongside, the people that over the years, they started to just trust me. And I wasn't that weird preacher guy, youth pastor guy at the church down the street. I was a guy that they trusted. And they would ask me questions. I'll never forget when the the high school football coach was like, I just, would you be free to have breakfast once a week? And I was like, this guy wants to have breakfast with me? What's going on? And I was like, what, what is this about? So I was like, yeah, let's do that. And he's, he wanted to have like an accountability partner without having the language for what an accountability partner was. Because I had built up relational credit and I was a safe person and somebody he thought, oh, I could trust this person. And you earn that right to be heard. Who is around you that you can take some steps like that? Don't force them. You're not forcing anything. But you know, you have the opportunity with the people around you to take the mission of God to them and let God use you. Where are the places you eat? Where are the places you eat regularly? You love those places. I heard a pastor once talking about how he owns a restaurant. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, so for example, he'd be like, Macaroni Grill is down the street. I'm going to go there once a week. I'm going to get to know the managers, the wait staff, and I'm going to let them know every now and then like through conversations here and there and over time, hey, I'll, I'll be praying for you or hey, you look a little down today. But you can only notice those things when you start to really take stock of who is in your proximity, who's around you, who are the people you're interacting with every single day. It's a first step, I think, to being missional, having some intentionality. You saw on the last slide, one of the missional markers is intentional evangelism. Again, how many conversations I have had in churches that are like, we want to evangelize, we want to spread the word of God. Is it intentional? We're going to get more to that as we go on. The next P word is passion. So you think about your proximity and being missional, who's around me. The next one I would say is passion. What are you naturally passionate about? Again, so it's not forced. It's not a forced thing, but it's something that God has already wired you a certain way. I've already mentioned it. I love athletics. I recently just reached out to the Simi High School baseball coach. I was like, hey, I'd love to help in some way. They have a class the last period that's called baseball. It's a PE credit. He's got literally 50 guys out there with like two coaches by himself. And he was like, I would love some help. And I'm like, and I would love to be there. Because that's my passion. I love it. And so it's natural for me to be out there with these kids and with these coaches. It just makes me feel alive. Where is that for you? Where is a place where you're like, I just, that's the thing that gives me the most life, the most energy. It's not soul sucking at all. It's where, oh, if I could just do that every day. Or when I go to that place, maybe work is tough, but when you go to this other place, you're like, oh, this is my place. Find those places where God has wired you, God has gifted you, God is calling you. I think about this, uh, this little girl that they mentioned, this high school girl, not a little girl, high school girl in Cameroon who said, God is tugging on my heart and is giving me this passion for these people who are, who are being trafficked, and I want to do something. I want to go and do something. That's a missional attitude. I mean, the family that they shared about, that's a missional attitude. I have this passion. I have these gifts. I have these resources. I want to do something. God, send me. And isn't it funny? They weren't, they weren't sent to the ends of the earth. They were sent to their community. They were sent right back to their community. So sometimes that's the other piece of that is that we think, Oh, I've got to be sent somewhere crazy to go and do the work of the Lord. You can do it where you're already at right now. Proximity, passion. Last thing I want to say about passion, if you're really struggling with, I don't know what I'm passionate about, I don't know where that's at. I remember being at a dinner party, and there was this guy in my last church who uh, 
he just had a knack for asking these probing questions that would make you just stop and go, whoa, there's something about that question that's not like just from this guy, but is like, it's a holy moment right now. What are we going to do with this? And I remember just being at a simple dinner party, and it was one of these that like totally caught me off guard. And the question he asked is, what are you excited about today? Now, maybe that just seems like, eh, I don't know. I guess I could be excited about the return of the NFL. That's super exciting. But we live in L.A., so who knows about the Rams and the Chargers. So I was excited about college football, but my Cornhuskers were terrible yesterday, so I'm not excited. But really, if you've got to get down deep, like, what are you excited about? When you wake up in the morning, what is the thing that you're like, I can't wait till I get to do that? And it was a fun conversation around the table. I think the one guy was talking about, man, my grandkids, it's so fun. I'm, a, I'm just looking forward to when my grandkids are going to visit. You just think, what is that thing? Maybe that's something that, that will help you uh, put a finger on what you're passionate about. Another question you could ask yourself is, what breaks your heart? What breaks my heart? When you think about what's going on in our world, what's going on in our community, what's going on in the people you know and love, your family members, what is it that breaks your heart? And is God calling you, is God giving you a passion to go and invest your time in that area, to be sent into that area? And the final one is not a throwaway one at all, but in some ways is the one that wraps its, its, its uh, tentacles around all of them, if you will. And that final P word is prayer. And sometimes we kind of poo-poo this, like, oh, yeah, we should all be praying. I got to tell you, this is the one that really does encapsulate all of these, this whole idea. Because you can, you can say, like, well, I have a passion, and these are the people around me, but if you're not intentionally listening to the Lord and saying, God, I am truly open to what you're going to do to use me in these places, use me in conversations with these people, it can be really hard to, to obey God's call or to even hear God's call if we're not intentionally in prayer. I think about this a lot with the, the, peop, the kids that I worked with in, uh, in coaching, the, the coaches that I worked alongside, that oftentimes it just kind of got routine. You just kind of show up. And you're doing your thing, and it's like, well, yeah, so I've got the passion thing. I'm passionate about coaching, but I could easily just be one of the coaches. Just, in, just some guy who's nice and comes and does some nice things. And leave the whole faith thing, leave the whole missional attitude, just leave it in the car, leave it in the church office, and just go show up to the field and coach. But, but when you turn to the Lord in prayer and you say, God, you've put me in this place for some reason, you're going to open a door to conversation. I don't know when. I don't know who it's going to be with, but I'm trusting you're going to do it. It's a game changer. It's really a game changer. I remember being in the locker room one night, and I was really questioning, why am I coaching? Why am I doing this anymore? You know, it wasn't like flocks of kids were coming to the church because I was coaching. I remember being in the locker room, and one of the kids that I knew from church had lost a grandparent recently, and then he played like the worst game of his night, of his life that night. And so his thing was like, I let the family down because I was supposed to do the like, go out there and play for grandma. And he, and he just played like literally the worst game of his life. And he's just bawling in the locker room. And all the other kids were like kind of looking at him awkwardly. They had all kind of left at this point. It was just me and one of the other coaches hanging out. And the other coach grabs me. And he's like, let's go pray for him. And immediately I'm like, I don't think we can do that in public schools, right? 
I don't think we're allowed. And he's like, you know, I didn't say that, but it was like, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to go pray. And it just was this holy moment in a high school locker room of going, oh, this is why you have me here, God. This is why you have me here. Where is that for you? And are you open to that idea? A big piece of this, the last thing I'll say about this piece of prayer is understanding. And this is, again, like really understanding the calling, the missional calling. Understanding, this is important for us to hear. God is already at work in our world. God is already moving in the hearts of people you know. Will you, will you be there when they have a question about this thing that they don't understand that's stirring in them? Will, will you be there to help them connect the dots? Will I be there to help them connect the dots? And I think prayer can really change that, and really open us up to, oh, I was, I'm willing, God, and this conversation came about, and now I'm going to step through the door and have a faith conversation, or I'm going to step through the door and listen to this person that I've never listened to before. Proximity, passion, and prayer. All of this is about us being a missional people, a people who are sent into the world, that we gather with heartfelt worship, we have compelling Christian community, and then we go out into the world. And let others know that they can be a part of it too. It's not a club. It's not secret. We might have some weird Christianese that we say. But you can learn the language. You can be a part of the community. You can tell us, I don't understand what you're talking about. That would be great for a lot of us. Like, I don't get it when you use that language. But we are sent into the world. The church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. It has us. It has you. It has me. Sometimes I think that's strange that God made it that way. But he has us. Can you imagine as we close this morning, Jesus in that room with his disciples, and maybe you're there and you're kind of in the corner, and Jesus says to you, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. Let's pray. Jesus, we imagine, if we can, being in that room, being in your presence, being with you and hearing your voice saying, I'm sending you. Lord, each of us, if we have given our lives to you, that is the task, to be your people who are sent. Go, make disciples. Go, be my witnesses. Go, I'm sending you. Lord, we don't want to just go and do whatever we want to do. We want to be on your mission. Lord, I believe, we believe that you have put us in specific places that you want us to work. You have given us opportunities, influence, relationships, gifts, where only we can do that task. Only we can operate in that space. Help us to have eyes to see, ears to hear, your eyes, your ears, God, that we might be your called and sent people in the places you would have us go. God, help us to be ready to have conversations. Help us to be ready to listen. We ask that your Holy Spirit, God, would tune our ears, tune our eyes, tune our hearts to where you would have us go. 
So that, Lord, as individuals, we can flourish, we can grow, we can experience that abundant life, and we can invite others to participate in it. God, thank you for calling us. Thank you for sending us. Thank you for gifting us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand for our closing song?